Welcome to episode 37 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Mr. Matt Leach. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. But how, how are you? Right. You, you look tired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the compliment that every man likes to hear at the end of the day. Um, yeah, there's been a lot on. It's, it's been, been a busy month and um, a lot of big creative mornings event today. So Right. So um, I haven't been terribly talkative because I've been talking on stage quite a bit. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm so keen to take a back seat on this uh, one. <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, okay, let me, let me just talk about the speaker. Great. Because we have got uh, someone very high up in UX, which I thought you'd be perfect for, but I'll, I'll have a crack. Yeah, Matt so Lee takes the reins. We've got Nigel McKay, 15 years of brand experience, uh, brand and digital experience, print, web, mobile, connected TV, pretty much anything digital and very much focused on that kind of crossover section. Uh, I first met Nigel when he was working in print. Uh, the last few years, he's really started to make a name for himself in UX, uh, particularly after designing and launching the SBS website and the video on demand, which is now across 21 platforms. So it's, it's a pretty huge thing. So that's probably a good place to start, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, do you want me to start from the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. I, guess, I guess I'm interested because I guess we, we need to lead up to what you're doing yeah. now, yep. which is you're the head of user experience and design at News Corp Australia, Yeah. which it sounds to me like that's, that's a big job to me. It is a big job. <laughs> <laughs> you look tired. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> but how, so kind. How, how did you go from print to being the yeah. head of UX. Okay, um, I guess starting. So when I when I started studying graphic design, which was in South Africa, they always told us that look, you we we're teaching you a way of thinking. It's not necessarily that you're going to end up being a designer, like sort of actually designing prints. Yeah. If I think back to it now, it was, it was almost the first form of design thinking. Yeah. Right. So you know, sort of opening up, um, taking a step back, looking at the bigger problem, and looking at, and sort of given the tools to to solve bigger problems. So I got into into graphic design, enjoyed it, but always wanted that next big thing. Um, I guess when you're designing like a, a brochure, for instance, let's say it's your first year of, of design, you start designing a brochure, and you do it, you do your first job, and you're happy, it gets printed, and you know you're enamoured when you see that first print job, and you yeah. can smell the ink and feel the paper and it's great and whatever then you start asking the question well actually did that work you know was it successful then you want to know how it was received by the users did they actually go buy the product did it convert you start you learn the tools and then you start asking more questions before you execute on a job yeah. So why do they do that? Why, 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 why? Is it, so is a brochure actually what they need? Yeah. Was it a print product that they needed or was it a, I don't know, billboard or a, if I look back on it, like I always, I always like solving problems like puzzles or like, I like drawing as well. Mm. So it's kind of, you kind of get attracted to a certain way of thinking and uh, I guess executions. So when, when I went to, I went to live in London, I worked for a design company called London's Hypographical Designs, pretty small agency. Also did work for like 2020 and a, quite a few other bigger companies. Yeah. But when I worked at LTD, London's Hypographical Designers, um, I was like the, the tech guy. And because I was just, I was interested in, you know, websites, learned a bit of HTML, um, I started learning JavaScript, but I couldn't really get it properly. 
Um, and then I got into sort of the interactive design. So we did stuff on director. I don't know if you remember director. Yeah, yeah I remember director. It came director. up, came up um, last interview as well. I think it did. Yeah. 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 And it was like amazing at the time. You know, you could do some amazing, you could bring in video and like animate things and whatever. Hmm. So the first job, uh, this is the... So the first job, I can say it now because it was a while ago, I lied when I said uh, to the um, global marketing manager for British Petroleum, BP. Yeah. Mm. And um, they had a, a an exhibition in Kunststoff in Germany. And I had a week to design, build and prepare um, a interactive, uh, an interactive base. It was going to be on this um, two-story high this, uh, uh, exhibition stand. Right. <laughs> Just a little job. Yeah, just a little job. <laughs> and um, so I read, I read the manual in I think two or three, two or three days. So I was using Adobe. It wasn't Flash. It was um, it was another bit of software. It was meant to overtake Flash, but never did. Right. I read the manual, and for a, it was just over. It was back, like seven back, back days. Back when they actually printed manuals. When they when they printed manuals, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I worked fifteen or sixteen hour days for seven days. Uh, and designed and produced all the elements I needed to, which would then get pulled into Director. Yeah. So we had um, 3D elements um, at the time. So this, I mean, this is going back to like 2001. Yeah. Mm. So we had um, uh, molecules um, showing all the polyethylene, polypropylene, and right. acetals, uh, chemicals, and how they bonded together. So you could spin it around and then view all the associated material. So it was all scientists on yeah, yeah. going to this thing. Um, and it, we pulled it off, but I worked um, so long and so hard on that that my eyes swelled shut. Oh, really? They swelled shut. I had to go to the optometrist. Wow, um, that's like taking RSI to like the next level. My <laughs> my eyes gave up before anything else did. Yeah, incredible. That's that's impressive. All right. Yeah, but I was determined to get it done. Wow. Um, anyway, so it sort of moved, progressed from there. Uh, stayed in London for two and a half years. Went to Canada. Worked there for a bit. And then came to Australia uh, and basically um, worked for Principles. Uh, now, I'd done branding work before in London, but Principles was to another level. I mean, these guys um, did really good strategy that before, yeah. they did, before they touched a brand, minimum of three months um, doing you know, contextual inquiries, speaking to the business, where they were, where, where they wanted to be, um, really diving deep. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, you got like Wade Bull, you got uh, Sandy Belford, like mm. you got some really good um, strategists, one of some of the best in the country. Um, so I, I used to love reading through the strategy documents. I love the the, the depth of research they went to, mm. and for me, it improved my design. So I'd read that and really understand uh, on so many levels, like how to interpret the brand. Mm. So how does it need to look? Because it needs to convey. It needs to obviously be relevant to the, the audience they're appealing to and whatever. Really opened my eyes to the strategy side. So I got more into it. I sort of got hold of presentations that those guys did and try to understand um, why, why, why again. Yeah. Like why did you ask that question? Why, why did you go down this route? Sort of interrogating it and. It didn't, uh, if I'm honest, it didn't make sense for the first probably year <laughs> yeah. or two. You know, some things made sense, but not everything. These guys are making it up. Yeah, what is this? <laughs> well, why would you go that way? <laughs> but it eventually did. It started yeah. to make sense, right? And um, I think that coupled with um, when you do the big brand design, because all the brands we did there were big, you know, national huge, brands, yeah. somewhere international. And then you're creating this 
you've seen the the power of one central idea, one small little central idea, and and once you crack it and you you, you work out the essence of what a company is, it doesn't matter what you design. It doesn't matter if you design this microphone, uh, objects, digital billboards. I, I I thought that was an amazing power, and mm. you know you look at Apple. We've, got, we've all got yeah. apples. Um, and you look at the there's all the products you put out on the table and they're all connected visually and you got to you know if you don't know about this world i don't know if you'd actually consciously think of it but you'd, you'd know there's they're all connected in some way visually yeah. they're connected the way they feel mm. and, you know. but even if you didn't know consciously you might feel it subconsciously you, yeah, yeah yeah there's an affiliation and it all, it all obviously um, accounts towards their brain equity. And I just read the other day that Apple is now the most, well, the most valued brand in the world, or the oh, highest wow. valued brand in the world um, at $93 billion. So it's overtaken. Coke always dominated that space. Now it's Apple, according to Interbrand's brain index. Oh, right. Wow, that's massive. Mm. Yeah. So taking that leap from working on those sort of big brands, because I know, um, you know, if I think about a couple of like, did you work on the NAB? brand at that time uh, look, I helped out on a few things but yeah. I, I helped more out with the the, the initial brand um, uh, refresh we did and then the the last one was, was more Angela McCarthy mm. she worked on that but I helped a, a bit but I, I was more on uh, NRMA that was mine uh, New, University of Newcastle some massive stuff sort of going on how do, how do you make that leap into I mean what, what okay. were you moving more and more towards digital interactive at that point or so um okay this this is the way i <laughs> back on <laughs> so this is the way i think about it right is um brands create unified experiences across different mediums yeah whether it's an interior space printed thing website whatever so you really get you really understand about um you really understand the concept really deeply understand the, the concept of a branded experience yeah not only that you're creating um you're architecting that experience then so it's always you know taking it to the next level and when you think of digital as a, so you, you sort of extend that out to digital um you're going so what i do now is i do go into a lot of detail about that experience but on one medium right so on the computer or on the phone or whatever so any digital outlet it doesn't matter what you know right now um, mobiles are the, are the fastest growing device for consuming content and before that you know so laptops and desktops have reached saturation pretty much right um, I think tablets are still growing but to a much slower degree than mobiles but these guys are sort of taking the world by storm but we don't know what the next thing is I mean you can never put all your all your eggs in one basket yeah. and mm. I think this is good now but there might be some sort of flexible device that comes out in the future and so and you know we've, we've had the watch which everyone got really excited about and then it kind of hasn't yeah. really done as much as I guess we hoped Yeah, and you know I guess they're looking at they're still looking at glasses and we've got VR coming yeah is that something that you guys are looking at now yeah, yeah. The, we're looking at VR we're looking at um, what we could what we can do with it, we've got a um, lab set up, so we've got a VR headset set up at the moment, and we can go in and have a play with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, um, I'm sure I can say this, uh, SBS is doing some experimentation in that area as well. Right. 
but I think yeah, you know, until it becomes mainstream, I think there's a bit of time now. There's a bit yeah. of lead time for people to sort mm. of to to get the house in order, and not everyone's going to do it. It's still going to be there. I mean, it's a little bit. I think about VR in the sense of it's kind of to be the first person wins slightly. Yeah, you know, a little bit. If we look at Spotify or something like that, they they kind of got out there first and they they kind of got the market share. Yeah, and it feels like that's going to happen with VR in some sort of respect. And it's one of these things too. I always think about new technology. Is like, so this new technology descends upon the market. Yeah. Okay, like like rain. Yeah. And then it's like you you have to sieve. You sieve, and there's all these cracks yeah. in the ground, and it finds a place where it where it, where there's a need. So, um, like wearables, for instance, I think it sort of everyone got really excited. There was this big rain cloud of this amazing new product, yeah. and everyone hailed the new rain cloud. I won one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we didn't really know how we we're going to use it. It was just a cool new technology. Yeah. But now that it's had time to sort of settle into the market, you know, some parents, a lot of parents, have given their watches to their kids now, and I think it's one of these things that it kind of finds its place like the tablets found its place so mm. if you think of um, consumption of content in terms of time of day um, you know your phone is is ideal for on the way to work obviously um, when you get home often uh, we find with a lot of our analytics that people are putting the phone down and they're picking up their tablets right. while they watch TV I think there was a fir- the first bit of a worry that we're going to um, cannibalize our audience by having you know, the website on the phone, on the tablet, mm. and the desktop, but it hasn't. It's just time of day. And then obviously when you're at work, you'll consume content on your on your laptop. Yeah. So it's it's becomes a real convenience thing. And, you know, wearables is just going to be something where you want don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be asked looking at your phone every two seconds. Mm. You're out, you're walking about, and maybe there's, um, you know, if you sign up to some hyper-local service and actually the area you're in, there's, something's just happened. There's been a major accident or they're That's, giving away yeah. free yogurt. I don't know. There's, you know, something that <laughs> Which is important. you may be interested in. You know, <laughs> we get a lot of that at work, actually. So <laughs> That's why I came up. It wasn't random. Um, yeah, so... So I, I guess let's, let's talk about what you do. So, like, what's your day-to-day look like in the kind of... Because it's an amazing title, like head of UX and design for News Corp. It's like, yeah. so what? I, I can tell you now that what I did when I started to what I do now is completely changed, and it's <laughs> it's always changing and always evolving. And is it, isn't that the old thing? Like a job description is dated as soon as it's written. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, uh, what can I tell you? Day to day. I get to work, have my coffee, um, <laughs> and then it's literally okay. My time's pretty much divided between. So I've got, I think I've got a pretty decent sized team, uh, a lot of smart people. What's de- what's a decent work. size to you? It's twelve of us now. There's going to be thirteen, uh, fourteen including me. Yep. Um, we've got two designers and UX designers in Melbourne. So the rest of us are up here. So basically, my day to day is I'm across everyone's projects. Um, to varying degrees of you know detail, but mm. I'm across all their projects because the one thing I guess so somebody else told told me this as well, and it's kind of really um, sunk in now, only now. But one of your jobs as a as a head of or creative director or head of UXD or whatever is to make sure everyone's talking, right? And joining the dots. That's probably probably the biggest part of my job. So I'll have discussions with products. I'll have discussions with developers. I'll have discussions with all my team members. Hmm. So see what everyone's doing, be across everyone's work, try to basically understand what's happening in the back end as well, 
some of it's pretty complicated stuff. And then join the dots and go, okay, hang on. So Margarita's doing something for ad sales. So I need to make sure that she talks to this person over here. Or um, I know that we're doing an article page V2 that's fully responsive. So they need to then go talk to, you know, one of the yeah. developers that's actually playing with a new new way of bringing uh, components in. So part of so that's a big part of the job, joining the dots. Mm. The other part of the job is um, the way I explain it is like I'm running ahead uh, with tracks, like, and building a rail network, and my team's following with uh, following me in the train. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, that, so I got some guy shoveling coal. <laughs> I got other guys serving lunch. I got other. You know, everyone's got their role on the train, and 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 they they're keeping this train going. And I'm trying to lay the tracks. So I'm looking behind to make sure they're still okay. Yeah. I'm trying to look ahead to make sure that the tracks I lay is um, the right choices for our users um, and meets our business and commercial needs as well. So we're always trying to balance that. You know, obviously trying to make sure everyone's happy, inspiring the team, inspiring the business as mm-hmm. well. And to use a cliche term, you know, thinking outside of the box. like. Um, that's a very cliche term. It is a very cliche term. <laughs> I want to come up with a new one. I never, I've never heard it. That's a, <laughs> no, no, there you no, go, no, yeah. yeah. There's actually a story behind that. I'm not going to repeat it now, but um, where it came from. But um, go on. So no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, um, uh, so what I mean by that is, um, every day we pose with problems. Every minute of every day, we have yeah. problems that need to be solved. I found that when I started at News Corp, you know, you, somebody would say, oh, you can't do that. You can't do it because we've tried it already or yeah. there's something wrong, you know, um, the WordPress team are trying to do something and it could, didn't happen or whatever. I, I, I'll go straight to the source and say, this is what I've heard, is that true? And often nine times out of 10, it's not true. There's a way around it. There's right. A, there's a, so, you know, bringing, um, sort of bringing like-minded people together to solve the problem. So is that is that... Just to break that down, is that a is that a political thing, or is that some sort of like a misunderstanding of information over time, like a whispers sort of situation? I, I think I think the, I think technology moves so quickly that things change. Yeah, right. So, so it I, wasn't I possible, so, but it could be now. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then that person may have had a different filter and understood it a certain way. Yeah. Um, there's all these factors that come into it, but my the lesson I took out of it is um, always go to the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never be afraid to go to the source. It's it's paid off every time. Everything's hackable now as well. It's like you see a new product come out and then yeah. within within days someone's hacked it to do something completely different. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I often find you, you'll go speak to developer and you go, we really want to do this, what do you reckon? And they go, absolutely not, you can't do that. There's no way you can do it. And you go, all right, just have a think about it. You know? <laughs> come back the next day and they go, I, I think I've got a solution. I, I did this. Wow. And it's solved, you know. Um, but sometimes just planting the seed or just helping people look at it a different way often helps as well. Yeah. One, one thing I one thing I really want to um, highlight is like one of the big surprises to me is going to News Corp. I had all these misconceptions. I thought corporate company. First of all, when I worked in agency lane, I never, never, ever would have thought of working client side, mm-hmm. especially not for a big corporation like News Corp. And it's all these mis- these sort of preconceived ideas that you have. And I went in there and thought, oh, I'm going to get roadblocked. I have strong egos. I yeah. have to be a big fight every, you know. Because I've had arguments with developers. I've had arguments with product managers, you know, trying to get ideas through. But surprisingly, it was like everyone's on the same, like 
nothing I say is really new. Like the way I want to approach things, mm. everyone gets it. You know, they want to approach in the same way. Everyone's been super um, supportive, understanding, and that's across every team in digital I've worked worked with. Even the the editors have been great as well. You know, like I talk them through ideas, sort of help them out with a few sort of roadblocks that they've had. You know, with how they get their message across and in, uh, in, in included them in workshops, included developers in workshops and product managers and and it's actually it's it's almost when I when I get out my, my guitar and sing Kumbaya. It's that sort of situation <laughs> where you're like, is this real? Is everyone actually working together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you call yourself client side now? Uh, I am in terms of um, being a news corp so they they contract they obviously get third party companies to help out Mm. suppliers to help Um, but we're a service to the business so internally we're like an agency I guess because when I when I called you to to talk about like you coming on to the show you were in Mexico yes so what what were you doing there because that was something to do with the kind of global so when I joined News Corp, my job was to uh, my main job was to get a, a, a style guide working in Pattern Library. I'm, I've been doing a whole bunch of work here on it. Um, I heard about an initiative called CoJam. Should we talk which, about just in case anyone doesn't know what a Pattern Library? Sure. Is. Yeah. Okay. So so if you think of a style guide, if you go to IKEA and buy um, a set of drawers like a tall boy. Yeah. When you buy the the tall boy, it'll come with a set of instructions. The set of instructions is the style guide, and the tall boy is the pattern library. Mm-hmm. So it's all it's a it's a um, library of components that exist that you can then build other products with. Um, put simply, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, so okay, so I started, I did that. Um, so we'll we'll come up with it with a few ideas there. I then heard about um, CodeJam which is an initiative to consolidate a lot of the code and how we, how we develop code so it, it could be reusable uh, to a point where we can, we can develop a, um, what's called a dev stack. So let's say that you want to create a new app or a new website. All the plumbing is there. You just pull on the plumbing you need. Yeah. So how does it talk to our content API and other services? And like Bootstrap and GitHub and stuff like that? Uh, no, this, is back, this, this would be more on the back end side. Okay. So talking to a sort of content repository. Right, okay. Um, so, you know, we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of articles sitting in a content repository. Hmm. And how do you pull how do you pull articles uh, okay. or content out of that? Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, so so there's so so all the services you need to then pull that content and do certain things with it. Yeah. Um, then say so imagine you pull that content, now you've got all this data. How do you present it on the front end? So how do you do the same thing on the front end and create like a front end stack, essentially? So I heard that um, that presentation, which was to the um, leadership group. Uh, I then went and spoke to the person who gave the presentation, which who put me in touch with one of the dev leads in San Francisco, uh, Mitchell. He called in um, the head of UX for uh, the Wall Street Journal, um, Shay Douglas. He's actually from Melbourne. And then we called in um, a couple of uh, a couple of the other um, sort of content providers. So we've got the Times in the UK uh, and um, the Sun. So Joe Frost oh, from the Sun. It's like the Illuminati, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're controlling everything we see. Uh, more than you think. 
<laughs> you thought it was free will when you bought that beer, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we we sort of been um, we've been catching up on something. It's it's a bit corny. We kind of called it Design Jam, but um, so sort of sitting around uh, on a Google Hangout, just talking about you know wh- how we would tackle a global pattern library and global style guide, um, and what it means to be a brand, and sort of so had a few philosophical discussions and had the developers listen to the discussions as well and they were like sort of opened their minds and like wow yeah. we didn't know that you guys thought about all this stuff mm. um, so I put a presentation together about how we solve problems and um, I don't just want to create great user experiences I want to create great branded experiences so um, gave that presentation there and we all sort of ended up dividing to teams and building products we built six products in two and a half days and this is in Mexico in Mexico right. so we used a company called um, Wise so that they've got um, mainly development resources so front end back end and they have some UX designers as well uh, and I think they're, they're in the States they're in the States as well they have a product called Wise Lime and then the Wise services is obviously the services part of it mm-hmm. um, and these guys are great like you know really good. there's a really good energy happening in Mexico and there's a bit of like a startup community um, they're really trying to foster that startup community in Guadalajara um, I've so just got this James Bond kind of thing in my head like you oh, know, really? all these kind of like heads of like UX meeting together and We've got like special special rings to open yeah. the open the back door <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds awesome we'll get to that one yeah. <laughs> hey. that might be the second one we do yeah. Yeah. hey it's audio we could just lie to everyone say okay. you're wearing one of those rings today that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. we'll have the face mask with the skull on it's impressive well. <laughs> thanks for taking thanks for taking your hood off as you entered yeah, yeah. 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 No, did you see that I did oh, yeah okay. yeah whoops <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was it was great, and we you know obviously had a good time as well. Went out and had some good uh, tequila. But um, so we had we had the, some uh, some amazing um, developers there as well from from the UK. Uh, one of the guys heading up our um, authentication system as well, which is massive. It's pretty complicated. He gave a talk about it, and I had a headache by the end of it. Right. Um, it's yeah. It's a lot of very smart people doing smart things. And we're, but if you break it down, we're all trying to simplify the problem, right? Um, and we all want to work together. And um, I don't know what it is about this industry, about digital, but it, there seems to be no egos. Yeah, um, everyone it, just wants to solve the. We just want to work together. I don't have an ego. I just want to build great products. I've always been like that. I don't care about the title of head of UX or whatever. Yeah. I don't care if somebody. <laughs> has a better idea than me like please speak up and yes let's, let's do it um and yeah so that's that was mexico and so how many mm. products did you build in six products wow in two and a half days um so had a had a play around with the facebook um bot api with the chatting mm. yeah um yeah and uh you know played around with pulling um, content from multiple sources into one app um, and building a sort of brand and product and marketing experience around that as well. So there was, a, there was some really interesting ideas and um, some of them, I think most of them will end up being expanded on and at some point built out. Mm. Uh, but we, it's just a proof of concept. It's held together with sticky tape and gum, you know, yeah. just to see if yeah. it works. <laughs> and then it has to be broken out and rebuilt again probably. But yeah, yeah. there's a lot of really, really good change happening. Um, I'm pretty excited about it, but um, this is this is quite 
uh, it's similar but different to the SBS experience as well. Cause yeah, because I wanted to ask about that because I think, um, you know, because you, you redesigned their, their whole site, but it's not just one site, is it? It's like hundreds yeah. of sites. So it was, it was um, so I worked with a, with a really um, good uh, UX designer as well. Um, Andrew Wong, um, and then there's uh, and Justin was uh, so we had a team manager. It was uh, it was really it was interesting because like they had they had a hundred just over a hundred sites, which mostly made up with all the language sites, um, the programs, then the verticals, everything. Yeah, so it all added up. Basically, two other companies tried to redesign uh, the website be- before we got there. I think it was IA in. Hong Kong, right, and there was another the the name sort of eludes me now. But there's another company in Sydney that tried to try to redesign it, and I don't know why. I just knew I could crack it. Yeah, I knew I knew I know I could I could do it. So um, Andrew and I and and Justin teamed up, uh, worked really closely together, and we kind of like hid in a corner. We couldn't even get our internet <laughs> working, so we were a lot of the time we're tethering um, our internet through our mobiles paying for our own sort of oh, wow. connection and then getting told off by IT every time they caught us. Um, and the it, took, it took about two or three months until the, until the internet connection was sorted out. But we were just so excited about the prospect of working on SBS's site. And also, I think they're a, an amazing entity and I think mm-hmm. they do a really lot of good in Australia. And I wanted to do good with my skill set and sort of give something back to Australia as well. So... I was actually really proud to work there. So what, so what was the difficulty, like just getting all those sites to talk to each other? No, and... you know, it was, it was, you know, it all started. So, so Andrew, while Andrew was working on um, how the IA sort of fit together and how we could massively simplify it, um, I was going down the brand route. So understanding, you know, what was SBS all about? What was their charter? Um, what's their, what was their personality and value? Then I wanted to understand Australia because basically, you know, they broadcast to everyone. They have a demographic. Mm-hmm. The demographic usually has a, um, I think they have a um, university's qualification, so a degree or higher. So educated, I think from memory it was between 30 and 50 or 60 years old. Right. But they wanted to appeal to younger demographic. Then if you ask marketing, they kind of wanted to appeal to everyone. Yeah. So I wanted to understand the landscape. So we investigated um, art, culture, Design three, you know, three-dimensional product design, websites, print, um, branding. Like, what are these people? Uh, architecture. What are they used to looking at? Mm. And what I was looking for is how brave could we be, basically. So you look at the Maya building down in Melbourne, where they've got all the weird shapes, and yeah. you know, look at Federation Square. Um, you know, obviously we've got some, we've got some really cool things happening over here in Broadway as well. Some great buildings. We've got a Renzo Piano building, so we've got we've got some really interesting things happening in art, culture, design, whatever. So part of SBS's charter was like, you know, we're brave in content, but they weren't brave in the way they necessarily showed their content online. Right. So so that was so I kind of gathered some some thoughts and started to work out a bit of a direction. Did the whole big mood board sort of thing. Grabbed as much audience data as we could get. We didn't have. Okay, this is this is where it gets interesting for me. Mm. So um, we didn't have a lot of data to work with, a lot of data to. We 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 didn't have any um, uh, uh, money to sort of do any contextual inquiries yeah. or user testing or anything. So 
this goes back to I was design uh, I was um, uh, trained as a uh, in communication design. So sort of using those skill sets, using um, a bit of uh, you know, looking at the current IA structure and how people are using the site, I guess. Yeah. Um, making assumptions. Building your own data. Yeah, and then and then being logical with how we nested content and all the rest of it. Mm. So there's the the sort of the the UX side was for me on that job was the information architecture. Um, but we wanted to create a branded experience as well, so and, and a unified branded experience across a hundred sites. So um, what we had to do is then break down the whole website into um, a communication hierarchy. Obviously, so you got your homepage um, and various levels of index pages, and then um, article pages. Mm. But their complexity was they also had program pages as well, um, and then obviously they have the TV guide, and there's some there's some anomalies to work into it but still make it feel like it's part of a hierarchy mm. and part of a unified experience so I started to think of it from a branding point of view and a communication by design point of view then sort of join that with, with the IA um, we so with no user testing or user data real user data for the first year or two so in the second year we, we enlisted a third party to, to do some user testing on the site to then improve it more we were doubling, pretty much doubling our user base uh, every, I think it was every six months. Right. Um, it, but it was, it was shared amongst, obviously in different degrees amongst different verticals. So, um, so news, news increased. Uh, there, was a hu- there was a huge increase in news. I don't want to get my numbers wrong now, but I think it went, it was definitely well below a million mm. maybe around the half half million mark when we started and uh was like 1.6 million by the time i left that was only that was news only um but the audience total audience numbers when i started were somewhere around two million uh unique browsers um per I think it was per month and then by the time i left it was around just under eight million wow um so there was there was a huge um uptake that's massive, um, isn't it? I mean, just you're dealing with such big numbers where yeah, anything and, goes and that, wrong. And those are small numbers compared to what I deal with now. Yeah. So, I mean, what sort um, of numbers? Are we we're looking at across the masthead three million per week? Wow. Um, or you know, just over three million depends on whether what the sports season is. So okay. in or out of season. Um, but there's something else I wanted to actually just mention about SBS too, because that that was um, one thing I've realised is that. The website is a manifestation of the brand architecture, mm. right? It's almost a one-to-one manifestation of the brand architecture. So we had to start and we had to look at all the brands, <laughs> consolidate everything, clean up um, some of the brands, and make sure that they all fit in some sort of hierarchy. Because if you think about it, you've got the SBS brand, yep. uh, and then you've got the sort of the program branding. Yep. Um, there's a lot of branding going on on the page, and then plus you have signposting. So whether you're in football, and then they and then football and one of the other verticals were were called branded verticals because they insisted it was branded. Hmm. So there's a bit of brand soup happening. So you're trying to make sense of everything. So when the user gets there, they're not confused. They know that hang on, I'm on SBS, I'm in football, and this is my team. <laughs> Probably that's World Cup time as well. I imagine where yeah. In the world game and that's where everyone was going to kind of yeah find out wow yeah it almost seems like the website was dictating branding for other parts of the business the website forced us to acknowledge 
the brand architecture hmm. and make sure we sorted it out and, and it was clean. Hmm. It was a little bit difficult at the time because the relationship between marketing and digital wasn't great. So any brand discussions weren't really well received. Right. Um, but that changed over time. Like we, we Just let know, us do our job and you just do yeah, yours. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that's one of the things like, I don't know, it's, it's this silo thing in, in companies. Like I don't care where, what department someone's from. Yeah. If they've got good ideas and they want to work on the team and want to problem solve, look at IDEO, you know, they, they'll pull yeah. in a, an architect and a designer and a, it doesn't matter, you know, if we're all there to solve the problem. But it did force us to to look at some of the issues and I worked, I ended up going down and sitting with marketing for a while and trying to solve some of the brand architecture issues. If I'm honest, I haven't solved all of it. Uh, when I left, I, I sort of I, I dropped the sheet off and said, this is how I do it. And then I walked out. <laughs> <on the rack. laughs> um, uh, yeah, so... Just um, left on the desk with a little bow on it. It's, it's <laughs> left, yeah. But Just, this is all the things that I maybe <laughs> wanted to say. Breaking case of emergency. All right, okay, um, yeah. But you know what? It, you know, everything works. So they, you know, they're doing great. They've got great programs. Yeah. And um, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a... I like things to be perfect, so... You know, I'll go back and polish it a little bit, but um, <laughs> but no, I mean the the side looks it still looks good. I mean, I, I still go to it now. And, yeah, you know, and, that's uh, got to be hard though when you're looking at it and going, oh, they still haven't done this. <laughs> yeah, there's always there's always something. There's always something, and you know, I, I just think you aim for 100 percent and you get to 90 percent or 80 percent. Yeah, know, it's better than aiming for 80 percent and getting to 60 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'm happy with the way it turned out. <laughs> okay. Could always be better, but yeah. <laughs> I I want to know more about, I guess I guess UX and I'm, I'm really interested in the kind of Mexico thing. Yeah. And kind of what you because you're obviously thinking about the future in a, in a big way. Yeah. Is there stuff you can kind of talk about that you can see on the horizon or um, trade secrets? Uh, just trying to think of what I can actually say about it. Um, you can say anything you want. I think I think one of the one of the one of the biggest things is um, global collaboration, right? Uh, and uh, uh, sharing of resources, designing sites that are more brand agnostic. Okay. Um, and. So I guess, I guess one of the big problems I'm trying to solve now, which is which ties into all the stuff, which is I think is kind of the future of where we're going. You can't design a big website or have a portfolio of products without having a really, really solid way of managing the front end assets. So if you think about it, you've got this, um, this warehouse of front end components. They need to be stored uh, and categorized um, correctly. And I imagine you have these warehouses all over the world. So you're in Amazon, for instance. Yeah. Your warehouse needs to be really, really well categorized. Um, all the logistics has got to be sorted out. You need to be able, how to, be able to access um, products and services really quickly. Um, and it's the same with it's the same when you have you know Wall Street Journal, The Times. You got The Sun. You got DT Herald. You know Herald Sun. Um, the Courier Mail, you've got all these assets all over the world, these um, products, and managing those front-end assets. If you don't set it up correctly in the beginning, you end up building up so much technical debt over time hmm. um, that it's you have to rebuild and rebuild. And it's yeah. So what, what's can you explain technical debt? Like, in, well, not explain technical debt, but talk, talk about what you mean by that. 
So, um, so currently everything's everything's done. I mean, as you can imagine, there's a lot of products going through. There's a lot of requests coming through for new mm-hmm. products all the time. So you only you get a finite amount of time to develop a product, which is usually your MVP. And people, I'm sure people listening to this will be nodding their heads, going, "Yep, we we're up against the same thing." Um, uh, everyone goes, "It's just an MVP," and then we'll iterate and improve, but that never happens. Right. So you pr- produce this MVP. It goes out. And people have different definitions of MVP, but what you, what it usually is, is the front end standard is doesn't look like the design. There might be some shortcuts taken in the code just to get it up. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's not fully responsive, or, or it breaks a bit on mobile or or tablet. Those those are usually the main categories of issues that happen. So imagine now you had that's one component, um, and we have quite a lot of websites. We have 116 websites catering to you know a lot of different audience um, audience now if if we we have a lot of components and page templates um, and I'm going to refer to atoms and molecules as well because we use atomic design um, sort of methodology I'm thinking so you, you start to build up this debt where there's all you're constantly fixing these bugs um, things keep breaking so you spend 70 percent of your time fixing bugs and not innovating Right. So what 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 I want to do is um, sort of set up a system. That system relies on the on a very basic level on a shared naming convention and vocabulary, uh, and that right. that extends the code, how people refer to things, how your analytics are then matched up against that naming convention. Because um, if you get that foundation right, that's kind of like your roads. You know, when you build a city, that's your roads. That's your foundation, and then from there. There's some shared assets that all the sites need, like they need a shared grid system. Mm. Um, they need to fold down the same way, but they can still look very different. So I guess for me, the um, the future, and this is what I'm working on, how are we going to sort of crack this global approach? It's it's interesting. It's When you start to think about it, it starts to get quite complicated. Yeah. It's, um, I can't even imagine how you begin it because, I mean... We, yeah, we, we have an idea of how it could work. Mm. But, I mean, moving forward to the future of things, to back to your initial question, is simplification, reuse, um, I guess evolution through, you um, say, evolving the sites through a global pattern library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds infinitely complex. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, especially tap dancing between back-end and front-end and then systems and then working with different teams and personalities and everything yeah. kind of makes my head spin a little bit. Yeah. So, like, where did you pick up, like, these these kind of skills? Or is this... Because, you know, you've kind of gone from, like, to your, to your points before, like, communication design, then into a strategy company, saw all this strategy. And I get how strategy lends itself with UX, but dealing with, like, 130 websites yeah. and all this back-end, quite complex, quite complex things. Yeah. Like, that seems like a... A, a steep learning curve, I would, it was I would a steep say. Learning curve. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. The first five weeks I started at News Corp, um, I actually had headaches because <laughs> there was so many, so much information going in. Yeah, I, I could almost it. feel my brain pulsating. Yeah, um, but it sort of like cl- just clicked. Like after the fifth week, kind of just clicked, and everything made sense. Your eyes didn't go puffy, and you <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't go. No, <laughs> it didn't go puffy. Not this time. Right. I've, I've I've worked my way through that one. <laughs> 
Um, look, not e- not everything. I've got, I know my limits, like, um, but I know how the big pieces fit together. Hmm. Um, and there's always like the details in between the big pieces, and that's why we have back end architects and front end architects because they know all the details. But I think, like, I really like knowing how things work. You know, I, w- I love watching documentaries. I love reading books. If I read a um, a, fiction, a fictional book I feel like I'm wasting my time I always want to read non-fiction understand how things work really yeah it, um, so I'm just about to read The Curve actually which is going to be quite interesting I don't know maybe it's a sort of problem solving puzzle sort of enjoying that sort of thing I, I love problem solving and that's why I got into design you know I love art design whatever but I love the problem solving aspect of mm. it that's what's kept me in design otherwise I would have probably taken up another career I never feel like I know enough and it's frustrating and that's what keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do, how do you turn off though? Like, I mean, like just that whole, you don't read fiction or do you have a way that you kind of switch off? Or, oh, no, or, I do. Yeah, or do you not switch off? Yeah, no, I like, like, I like Marvel movies. All right. So yeah. I definitely when it there's comes a, to there's movies, a couple of them. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. So I'll, I'll um, I've got my escapism. So yeah, yeah. but um, you're up to date on Game of Thrones. Is that no, you down with that? I've missed the first episode. Okay, I cool. was in. Uh, well, no spoilers was, here then. No, no, don't. Yeah, don't let me know. Um, <laughs> Because I because I was in Mexico, I missed the first episode. I was pretty annoyed. Hey, so this mm. is the first season where the writer isn't involved. Is that right? What Jorah Martin? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So I think this oh. is after the this is after the book. So he hasn't written after this this stage basically. So right. it's like a team of writers writing now. Is that right? Don't know. No, I'm not sure. Does that mean there's going to be more sex and violence or less? I don't know. A bit worried it might become formulaic. Yeah find out as long yeah. as long as he's sort of communicating uh, communicated the, the the narrative and where this thing is actually going to go I don't think he knows though I think that's the whole I think he knows no, he, I think he must he have an idea he's, he just doesn't know how to join the dots yet yeah I don't want to get burnt like lost oh <laughs> see even just bring yeah. it up yeah, yeah. how yeah. could you I just, like, ru- I just ruined the whole I never episode. even watched the end of it was it? Was it eight seasons then? Wasn't it? Well, you won then. If you watched the last season, it was fine until the last season. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think those kind of things have to. There's almost like a point where they need to stop. Yeah, yeah. And everyone remembers it for being an amazing experience. Yeah, that they wanted more of. Yeah, but they couldn't get it. So I always think of the wire. I, I still put that down as one of my favorite. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it stopped at the right time so I was still mm. wanting more mm. it's being brave enough to, to do that like mm. there's going to be three seasons we're going to end it and then we'll do the next one yeah and I think mm. it's probably hard because you probably have a whole bunch of people behind you going hey everyone loves it they want yeah. more let's, yeah. let's give them more yeah to take restraint yeah, yeah for sure let's have more Harry Potter okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so well, well, you know it's going to be a prequel I'm sure there'll be some sort of prequel there'll be a prequel well we've got the uh, Fabulous Beast coming out pretty soon okay so we're just going to go for five movies or so <laughs> so taking an inter- interesting tangent yeah but yeah, but yeah like es- escapism yeah I know Matt, Matt's quite into it as well and, and, and so am I yeah as well yeah well it might be the whole like creative side of the brain as well just mm. just new different concepts you know yeah mm. I'd li- uh, just sorry just on the escapism thing I, I really like the the different UIs you get in alien movies as well oh right yeah yeah, yeah. I think there's a couple of websites set up yeah different UIs. oh really yeah there's um, was it District 9 right 
Yeah, um, which was the um, South African yeah, one, yeah. That was one of the best UIs I've seen, I think. Mm. And some of the Iron Man ones, some of the Iron Man ones, going back to Marvel, were pretty amazing. Yes, inside inside the suit. I think there was a web, there was a parallax website. I think maybe we could dig that up. Yeah, where it kind of went went through and kind of everything kind of clicked in, and you were inside the Iron Man suit, and then you kind of came back down, and everything kind of. See, that's what the the first VR game should be. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. I was playing the the games I was playing. We had um, we've got VR set up at work, and we've got golf. Um, but it's on this like in this three-dimensional world and you're sort of moving between all these different levels Mm. Um, it's good but it's kind of like pretty maybe because the the processing is pretty um, pretty intense it's it's pretty low-fi graphics yeah right but one of the best things is they've got this uh, you can you can draw or you can sort of mold something in 3D so there's a mm. video online of a of a girl drawing a, uh, a an animal that looks like it's going to be in a movie, mm. but it's life size and she's moving around it and like sculpting, you, you, sculpting. Mm, so you, right. you've got two sticks mm. and you can you're sort of drawing, sculpting it. You know? Oh, okay. So you're not taking away, you're adding. So you're creating you're adding, it. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. not it's not sculpting. All right. So it's a fantastic one of the guy who did um, the Little Mermaid, and then he was he was using it to actually sculpt the Little Mermaid in 3D. Yeah, right. which is pretty that's amazing cool. too yeah mm. so yeah I mean that's that's yeah. the that's the next thing yeah I think yeah. I think that's gonna that is the next big thing for sure I mean because yeah. I, I, I spoke to someone who had played the new Sony VR and it was like a car game whether you shoot out the window and stuff and he said it was really felt really like he was quite in there until he had to do something which required fingers or something like that, yeah, and then right. he still had to click something, and then he was completely taken out of the hmm. out of the whole experience, I guess. Yeah. So it's almost like we need the gesture-based kind of stuff to to, to kind of leap that next yeah to yeah. that next leap. It's yeah. funny because everyone's taking a slightly different um, everyone's got a slightly different take on it because you've got yeah. this sort of Oculus Rift approach yeah. where you're fully immersed. And I think IBM's doing one. Is it IBM with the um, it's more of an aug- augmented reality sort of yeah they are. Uh, right. experience. Yeah, it's going it's to be interesting to see which one, if either one leads or there's a market, big enough market for both hmm. sort of approaches. Yeah, um, I've seen some of the stuff in the that I'm a bit um, hesitant to jump on the bandwagon too early. It's too soon for me. I haven't yeah. seen enough of it personally. Um, it could it could be a fad in my in my eyes. But um, and then I saw some of the stuff with the kids in hospital. Oh yeah, and so they were um, they were partnered up with their older brother or sister or something like that, and so they're lying in hospital, and they've got the VR, and their brother went and did something, and so they were there with the family, and I was that's like, awesome. that's pretty good, yeah, that's pretty you amazing. know, like that's yeah. clever, like that has some legitimate problem solving happening there, yeah. that has a really good purpose and a need, like what you were talking about, actually finding great technology yeah it's kind of cool it's kind of cool but that's like okay that kind of mm. puzzle piece seemed to fit in it it made sense so i think that's good i do worry sometimes about people like being too immersed in technology and sure. being on their phones too much and being on the, you know, on the computer or yeah um, even with vr i think what's going to happen with vr is it's going to be such an important way for people to escape life and whatever they want to do like play games or watch movies cool experience when you're in it but I, I always I'm always a little bit hesitant about what it what it's doing to the human brain I just always yeah. think that um, Red Dwarf had um, 
uh, BTL, Better Than Life. Yeah. It was like a drug that people took, but it was like basically it was like a VR world that you entered where everything was awesome. Yeah. And it was like, it's better than life. But like, Why do you want to leave it? Well, exactly. <laughs> and, and people would starve to death because they, they forgot to leave it. Sort of right. Thing, so. there, there's a, there's a um, problem in, in um, I think it's, it's, it's in a few parts of Asia now, um, in Korea, China, where you get these um, 24-hour gaming rooms. Yeah. But people end up staying for three days. They don't eat. You know, literally, maybe go to the loo. That's about it. Yeah. And then yeah. they they call in sick at work, and it's actually it's contributing to um, sort of uh, mental you know, illness. Yeah, um, yeah. And I can imagine the yeah probably the economy as well, and yeah, just yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, it it, it could be quite scary. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely with my gaming tendencies, I tend to if I get into a game, that's that's it. For me. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I used to, I was addicted to StarCraft. Like, oh, right. a few years ago. Well, there you go. Yeah, you yeah. probably played with some of those boys then in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see the Korean. Probably, you see the Korean name come up, and you're just like, ah, oh, crap. It's probably one of the guys I just couldn't beat. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, they yeah. come on, you just concede. Yeah, too good. Yeah. <laughs> I realised how crap I was. How could News Corp use um, VR? I mean, is that? Is that a way that you're looking? A thing that you're looking at? Well, News Corp's. Uh, I mean, they're always you know, investing in new companies and mm. buy, buying new companies. So, you know, we have, we have REA, um, Cars Guide, quite a few, quite a few different properties. Um, High Pages now as well. So, you know, we could use it to, you know, walk someone through a house. Yeah. Um, maybe show somebody a car. Um, you know. On the entertainment side, I'm not sure yet um, how that could work, but um, I, I guess think we sports, sort of in- sports is probably a major kind of area where you Sport, could sports would be a big one. Yeah, mm. actually definitely. be be there on on pitch side and that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Not so much like that have to be on the Fox side of things because mm. we don't have um, rights to any of the live games. Right, right. But there might be something with with stats we could do, or yeah. you know, any some sort of post game analysis having a play with it to see where it might fit in or mm. where, where it could fit in in the future yeah um, but you know likewise we're looking at uh, quadcopters as well the drones oh yeah uh, looking at drones and what they could do um, I think I think a few people are looking at drones trying to th- figure out how they could use them mm. I, f- I find this quite interesting now because like, initially with technology and the the, the industry we're in it was more sort of the two-dimensional um designing for screen and now those experiences are starting to manifest into real objects Hmm. yeah and and they they're becoming something that actually moves in real life and i actually quite that's the bit that kind of excites me Hmm. so um being immersed in the world in a in a vr headset it's a bit like i I think it'd be cool but there's that there's that other side of it whereas this is um enjoying uh, I guess um, the physical space, but having it enriched by some sort of technology that you're interacting with, or yeah. I guess interacting with in a way. Yeah, so yeah. more more interactive rather than immersive. Yeah, mm. and the, yeah. the the technology side of it takes a backseat, and you're enjoying the physical manifestation of that. Yeah, mm. like the tech gets out of the way for the, yeah, the real experience. The yeah, yeah. Um, that might be a good place to leave it, guys. Okay. Believe it or not, we we are we are out of time. 
Excellent. I told you I could talk a lot. <laughs> That's perfect. It'd be weird if you didn't. Okay. It would have been, be a boring episode. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes of nothing but white noise. <laughs> what we usually do is we go around the table and find if, if people can find you somewhere. Like, are you on Twitter or is there a website or something? Or how could people, your home address, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I am on Twitter, but um, I'm, not, I'm not really good on Twitter. Um, I think if you just search for McKay, M-A-C-Q-U-E-T. Yep. Um, you should find me uh, and I think that's probably the the best I want something else as well but that's probably that's probably the best place to find me um, cool. yeah easy great Mr. Matt Leechworth at on well just Leechworth on just Twitter Leechworth on, on stuff yep yep on, the, <laughs> on all of the things um, and I'm Matt Flynn Tracy on everything. So we'd like to thank you for listening to Australian Design Radio. And you can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUS Design Radio. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. That was good, man. Done. Great. Awesome. Yeah,